Well, welcome to our fourth Sunday um, kind of celebration service this morning. Um, we are so blessed to have uh, you families in the room, and um, I just, uh, I don't know, I, um, I'm really, I've been praying over this last week that the words that the Lord's put on my heart will really bless you. I have the privilege to share the word with you today, and um, I think it's going to be an eye-opener today. So um, why don't we do this? I have a little bag here, and this is for if you, if, well, let's have uh, Miss Patty and Ariel, could you help me too? Come on up, kiddo. I need a hand. Don't worry, we're not going to have you walk across a pole this morning. Um, <laughs> if anybody was at that service. Could you pass out those scarves um, to the f- to kids in the room? But um, raise your hand if you want to have a scarf this morning. Yes? I can see some people who are like, I want one too, I want one too. So go ahead and grab a scarf because um, we're going we're gonna to use these in just a minute this morning. Um, I'm going to do our kind of kids part from their seats. Um, but yeah, we'll... Uh, Let's see. Let me set a timer for myself so that I I don't go too long. Um, So this morning, as we get our, um, let's see, as we get our scarves out to everybody, today uh, what we're going to talk about is this beautiful section out of Revelation. Now last week, Steve started us off on some Revelation scripture, and uh, how did you do it last week? Were you okay? It wasn't too scary? wasn't too crazy for you? It was pretty, pretty good, right? We talked a lot about love. Um, and today's message I titled, Love is Where Heaven and Earth Unite. Say this with me. Love is where heaven and earth unite. Beautiful. So um, let's do this. I, I'm going to do a little trick for us today. Kids, can you see these two rings that I have? You see these? Yes? Can everybody see these okay? Live stream is okay, Mary? Yes? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my mic down for just a second, but um, today we're going to talk about um, heaven being one place and earth being another place. But at one point in time, we were connected. Can you see that okay? Did I just put two rings together? How crazy was that? But because of sin and death and that sneaky snake in the garden, something terrible happened where heaven and earth got torn apart. This connection of heaven and earth being united became torn apart. But today we're going to talk about how Jesus, church, this is for all of us big kids in the room too, reunites us back with heaven and earth. And there's this middle space in between. If you got your car keys on you, you can play around with these too. It's okay if you do this in my sermon today. This middle space in the middle is where Jesus presides. And we're going to look at that today as we explore his word. Um, And I've got a few videos for us. But before we do that, why don't we just go ahead and just center ourselves. I need to center myself. I've been running from band and sound and all sorts of stuff. Let's just pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Um, Lord, as we explore this passage out of Revelation today, which I know for our church body is a new section of scripture. Lord, may we be encouraged um, by this understanding of what new Jerusalem and heaven and earth uniting looks like. May all the videos and all the things go well today, God, and may everything just make sense. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless us 
as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. So take your scarf if you got it really quick before our first video. If you got a scarf, take it out. And I want you to put it over your eyes or your neighbor's eyes. It's okay. David, look at David. David's doing a great job back here. Good job, David. Oh, we got some blindfolds up in the back. I like that. Go ahead. Ariel, it's okay. Let your mom have some fun with you at church. It's okay. Put that blindfold over your eyes. Now take it off. That's what Revelation is all about. <laughs> Apocalyptic scripture, something like Revelation, is this veil is over our eyes. If you don't have a, a scarf, go like this. Come on, go ahead. Can you st still see me? Right, you can, but remove that and you can see clearly. And that's what happened with John in the book of Revelation. Jesus took him on this virtual tour of what heaven's going to look like. This beautiful image of uh, all these things out of the Old Testament, things like out of Daniel chapter 10 or, or sections out of Ezekiel or Isaiah, these, these incredibly crazy visions that these prophets experienced. And then John got to see the full picture. And so will you and I. Even today we can experience it. So why don't we start with our first video and we'll see where we are. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together, perfectly no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. 
So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and made his dwelling among us. Now this word dwelling is really curious. Literally it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and... They kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space To be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die. But that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. We believe the best way to understand the Bible is to look at its overall narrative. So we're going to do this by taking... Amen. Awesome. How is that? Make sense? Helpful, right? Um, Go ahead and take your scarf over your face again. (laughs) or your hands thank you Kathy very good got some active listeners in the room come on you three now put it down that's what we want to keep doing today is letting this kind of make sense 
Who's ever read anything out of Revelation? Raise your hand. A lot of us, good. Um, and if you haven't, that's okay. Um, who's been confused by the book of Revelation? Raise your hand. Everyone should raise their hand. I, I'm preaching on it today, and I told Steve, what did I say to you like a week ago? Ooh, we're going to need to talk through some of these things, right? Like, I know for me growing up in a small town, like, I had um, this, uh, some church in our area had put, like, a, a note in our mailbox growing up, and it was uh, talking about the end times and talked about the Antichrist, and Obama was the Antichrist. And I don't think that that's what was in mind if you're a liberal, you're not automatically going straight to hell, right, or vice versa. So we're going to pause on that because that's a weird Americanized Christianity thing that we're going to just throw in the bin. Sound good? So take that idea of whatever you've heard, can you crumple it up in your hands, and throw it away. Because <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything out of this book. That's not biblically true, okay? That video that we just watched, did that make more sense? Yes, right? So when we're singing this song earlier about Jesus being this tabernacle, you know, Jesus with the, the tabernacle, did you like that? The little feet hanging out, did that make sense? Right, Jesus starts to make these new kind of, he, he starts to take a different shape for us. Right, we're going to talk about that a little bit. So love is where heaven and earth unite. And, and they did it so beautifully in this where they illustrated in that middle space the cross, right, just like here. Right? We have earth and heaven, and in this middle space where the cross resides is the space where you and I as Christians and as believers exist. We exist in this middle place. You like that picture of the, the little guy going into heaven? We've all understood that. I remember watching, what was it, Who Framed Rad Roger Rabbit in the, in the early 90s. One of the cartoons died, and the little cartoon guy flew into heaven, and he had his harp and all that. We've all seen this cartoon. Yes? Do we all think that this is what heaven is? Can I just encourage you, do not understand your biblical understanding of heaven from cartoons. It's happened to the best of us. It's okay. But it's true that, right, we're not going to be like, like it's not you and I right now. When we experience the love of God, this is what the whole crux of my message is all about today, is we are experiencing a taste of heaven. Who's ever experienced, raise your hand if you've ever experienced someone just being so kind to you, it kind of blew your mind. Raise your hand. That someone was just so lovely to you that you were like, do you even know who I am? And then when you tell them that, they go, it doesn't matter, right? She said, yeah, it doesn't matter. Still love you. How much can I bless you even more? That's us experiencing this little pocket of heaven. Amen? Am I getting a thumbs up from Steve? Theologically sound? Nice. Beautiful. Friends, do you want to break down the scripture? Let's do it. Let's do this a little bit. I got a few different images for us this morning to understand what this heaven and earth is going to look like. Um, I'm so encouraged by this, this understanding of New Jerusalem. I love this imagery. Let's, let's look at some of these. Let's go to our next image there. I, I've, I found this lovely image online of these are the different stones out of the foundation stones, these 12 foundation stones, out of the New Jerusalem, this is what we're going to see descending from heaven. As believers at the end times, yes, turn off my mic. I, I shouldn't play with that button. Hold on. There we go. Right? We should, we should 
understand that we're going to see this moment, right? There's a little bit of truth to like this whole thing of descending down and connecting, and, but it's going to look different, right? And I think who's ever had someone treat you so kindly and shown this love act to you that it felt like they were giving you a precious jewel? You see where I'm getting at here? Right, this imagery is for us to understand that when you are experiencing this love, this selfless, unexplainable, incredible love, it's as if we've got these beautiful jewels. Now look at these. Annie did a great job reading these out loud. Thank you, God. Give her a hand. I'm serious. I spent, I spent the whole week studying a lot of these gems. Right, we, have, we have these beautiful from top left to the right and then down. My favorite one is the opal one. This, uh, this, maybe it's just because from, we're from Australia, but um, Australian opal is this beautiful stone. Look at that. And how beautiful is it that, that opal in Australia continent-wise is one of the oldest continents on the planet. Think about how much pressure that stone has experienced over millennia to have that kind of beauty. Think about how much pressure humanity has experienced over millennia for us to look like that. For this, this is what God is trying to do, is he's refining us throughout our struggles. At a men's group on Thursday night at Scottsdale Bible I was at, um, the preacher said this awesome thing. Loved it. He went like this. Say this with me. Say, your mess is your message. Say, your mess is your message. Some stones and gems, we talked about this in our, in our band devotion this morning, you don't see the beauty until you crack that thing open. Same thing with fossils, right? It just looks like a normal stone, but when you crack it open, but it has to experience pressure. It has to experience heartbreak and heartache. And I think if we can look at our lives, some of us are in a point in our lives where we look at our lives and say, man, that was terrible what I experienced. But look at who I am because of it. Amen? Amen. So here we go. Let me just read this. Um, the wall was made of jasper, and the city was of pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. I'm going to skip them all because you can see them all. I'm going to go right down to verse 21. The 12 gates were made of pearls, which is so cool, each gate of a single pearl. And the main street was of pure gold, as clear as glass. How beautiful is heaven going to look? I joked about this last Sunday that I thought when I was a kid, heaven was pretty girls and beer because of all the country songs my dad used to listen to. I did. I was like, okay, so I'll die like the cartoon from Roger Rabbit. I'll go like this, and then it'll be pretty girls, Jesus, and beer. But I can't drink beer, and I don't really like girls yet, so I'm kind of confused. I like the cartoon. Like, do you see what I'm saying? A lot of us have this really funny understanding of what heaven's going to be like. And that's what we want to correct today. Okay, let's look at our next picture. Um, we're we're going to talk about how the lamb will be the light. Um, just a little uh, before we, I, I'm going to talk about this image for just a sec. Um, there's a lot of beautiful early church iconography, these icons that they would use because people can read so well, right? Um, and what we usually do um, is we, we see this picture of Jesus on the cross, and out of his feet, the blood out of his feet, it usually drips down into this beautiful river. And it comes into this river. It's this river of new living water into the wasteland. It's this beautiful image, 
right? Our son's name is Juniper because we came, that's right out of Isaiah 41 where it talks about this new river of new life is going to come into the desert, into this wasteland, and it's going to bring new life, new growth. It talks about how there's going to be cedar trees and juniper trees. See where we got the name? All these beautiful things. It's this promise of God that there's going to be new restoration into dry places. And this is encouraging for us as Christians is, I wrote this down for later in my sermon, but I'll just say it again. I'll say it now, but um, as Christians, brothers and sisters, we do not need to fear God's word ever. There's not a section of scripture that's off limits. That includes Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, the saucy, sexy book. Yes, I said it in church, right? Revelation, right? Let's see, some of the prophets, there's some really crazy stuff. Any of the battles out of First and Second Kings, some of the terrible things that humanity does in the beginning of Genesis, there's nothing in God's words that is off limits for us. Because what it's supposed to do for us, God's word is supposed to encourage us. That if we know Jesus, if you and I know Jesus, there's hope with these words. If you don't know Jesus, that's when it gets scary. Right? Is it important for us to share this good news with our people in our lives that don't know this stuff? Yes. I don't want you to be a Bible thumper. Please don't be that. Because that's not love. That's just self-righteousness. But it's important for us to understand that these are books of hope, books of restoration. There are sections and parts of our lives that we need restoration. Amen? that we are suffering through on this broken earth. And it's so exciting for me because there's sections of my life that I've been fighting through for years to be restored. And I love that Jesus says, not by your own power, but by my love. By what I did on the cross, will you be fully restored? Hold on to the hope, son. I jokingly tell Jesus all the time if I have a hard day here at work, God, you better come back tomorrow because I don't want to do this. Come back tonight so I don't have to come to work tomorrow. It's true, though. That's our hope as Christians is we hope for new life. We hope for all of the suffering and pain to end. Right out of uh, this, this section here about the lamb being the light, Revelation 21, 22 to 27, let me read this for us just to remind us. I saw no temple in the city. John is saying this. For the Lord God Almighty and the lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the entire city and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. That's you and me. The gates will never be closed in the end of day, at the end of day because there is no night there at all. And all the nations will bring glory, bring their glory and honor to the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anything who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those in whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Raise your hand if you have, you have something that just seems to chase you. Aren't you excited to be in a place where it can't get through the gates? Isn't that what you hope for? There's no more chasing, no more running. The hunter 
has been destroyed. This deceiver, this accuser is gone. No dishonesty, no more pain. Let's look at this next image. The tree of life and dancing in the river is what I call this one. Then the angel showed me this beautiful river with the water of life. Crystal is clear, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Just like our last image, right? Making a little bit more sense? Veil coming away? Good. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. That sounds cool. (laughs) I want to see that tree. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, including you and me. No more curses. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. There we go. We're reading out of Revelation. Going to get Pentecostal up in here. Let's go. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. We talk a lot about how God reigns forever and ever and ever. Amen? But this scripture just promised us that you and I will reign forever and ever alongside him. Brothers and sisters, you and I get to participate in bringing heaven on earth. Do you realize that? We don't have to die to experience heaven. Was that an amen? Yes! You and I don't have to die to experience heaven. When we are kind to our neighbor, when we listen to the hurts of another, when we are compassionate to someone who has nothing, when we strive to understand an other, uh, uh, the other or the person that's different from us, do you realize that you're uniting heaven and earth little by little by little by little by little till one day everything will be restored? Whatever part of your body is hurting from an injury or maybe you were born a certain way. I, I was born with a heart defect. I was born broke. I can't wait to look down on and see no scar. I got a big scar across my chest. My chest goes in a little bit. And I remember as a little boy playing on the <coughs> beach at a lake, and I don't think this mom meant to do this, but there's this little boy playing with me, and she said, don't play with him, he's different. That's all I remember. I mean, I must have been a kid. I can't remember. I don't know what. She probably was talking about something else. I don't think anybody would say something like that, but... I'm so ready to be restored. I'm so ready to no longer suffer. I'm so ready to not be filled with shame or guilt or fear. So friends, my encouragement to us is revelation, this book, these promises, is not something to be feared, but it's our hope of full restoration. You know, a friend of mine on Thursday night as well at this men's group said something else. People will refuse to hear the good news of God because they don't want to know that they're sinning or they don't want to admit it. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came into the world and he said, repent and turn away 
because the kingdom of God is near. Turn away from your sins. This is me being a full-on Pentecostal evangelist. Are you feeling thumped yet? No, right? Because there's love. And I'm being real with you, church. Repent. If there's a sin in your life that is halting you from having a deeper relationship with God and other people, confess it. Stop carrying this crud around on your back that you're never meant to carry. Confess that sin. Turn from your sin and be restored to the Father because his kingdom is seeking you out. How beautiful is that, that no matter how far we run, he continues to seek us out. I have two more videos. Uh, We're going to just watch one more. Um, And it's all about this understanding of what new humanity looks like. It's out of the Bible Project as well. But I hope that this will kind of make sense of what I'm saying. Go ahead, Mary. In the story of the Bible, there are two realms. The earth, where we live, and the heavens, where God lives. And we've been talking about the spiritual beings. The Elohim, the divine council, angels and cherubim, the Satan and demons. And the last character we want to focus on is humanity. Now humans aren't spiritual beings. In Genesis 1 and 2, they're made of the dirt, like the animals. But notice that God calls humans to become something more. He elevates them to live and rule in Eden, the place where heaven and earth are one. And they're invited to eat from the tree of life. And what does that mean, to eat of the tree of life? Well, it's an image of receiving God's own eternal life into yourself. It's about a whole new kind of existence. So wait, physical beings living forever. How could that even work? Well, somehow, sharing in God's life transforms our bodies so that we can inhabit heaven and earth at the same time. And it also transforms our imagination so that we learn how to rule the world like God in the power of love. This is an amazing calling, but humanity is quickly deceived by a spiritual rebel. Yes, he lies to the humans, saying that they can rule and get eternal life on their own terms. And God exiles all of them from the garden. They're cut off from the source of true life. Evil and death now have power over us, and we live in a world of fear, self-preservation, violence. But God promises that one day a human will come to defeat evil and death at their source and to open up a new way to a reunited heaven and earth. And this promise reaches its fulfillment in Jesus. Right, when we're introduced to Jesus, he's a human, but he's also way more. Yeah, we're told that in Jesus, God and humanity have become one so that he can restore the rest of humanity to its lost calling. And Jesus was tested by that same deceptive spiritual being, not in a garden, but out in the wilderness. Yeah, it tells Jesus the same lie. You could rule the whole world right now if you come under my authority and do things my way. But Jesus knew that that lie leads to death. So he rejected it and was victorious over the spiritual power of evil. And so then Jesus started announcing that God's heavenly rule was arriving here on earth through him. And so he went around confronting the power of death in his healings and his exorcisms. Jesus was opening the way back to eternal life, to rule with God and become new humans. Yes, he also confronted our imaginations by teaching how corrupt spiritual powers enslave whole communities with their lies. Lies like, my tribe is superior to your tribe. But Jesus said every human is an image of God. Or the lie that power comes through force. While Jesus taught that real power requires sacrifice and generosity. Or the lie that peace comes through violence. While he said that true peace comes through self-giving love. 
this is a new kind of humanity. Yeah, a humanity transformed by God's life and his love. And Jesus didn't just talk about these ideals, he lived them out. Yeah, exactly. He brought God's heavenly kingdom to Jerusalem to confront the powers. In fact, that's what got him arrested. Well, so maybe the way of Jesus can't win over evil. But from Jesus' point of view, his coming death was actually a battle. A battle? Yeah, not against humans, but against the real enemy, the spiritual powers that enslave us through their lies. Jesus gave his life and let evil do its worst. But God's love has the power to create life, even out of death. That's what happened when Jesus rose from the dead. And the reason Jesus is human, but a new kind of human. Yeah, when Jesus' followers met him alive from the dead, he had a transformed body that could live in heaven and earth at the same time. He's like a new category of human, one that can live and rule with God forever. Jesus is the new humanity that we're called to become. Right. He said that all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. And then he sent out his followers to announce that his eternal life is available to us now, in the present. We can experience eternal life now? Well, Jesus said that eternal life is knowing this God of love, so that our imaginations can be transformed as we're liberated to love God and to love our neighbor. And we trust that even if we die, God's love will transform our bodies and raise us up into the new creation. And that's how the story of the Bible ends. Yeah, the ending is a new beginning, with Jesus and the new humanity ruling in a united heaven and earth together. Even more sense? Okay. What did you say you missed doing to people? Go ahead and wait just a second there, Mary. Does it make a little bit more sense? Yeah. Can you just close your eyes for a second? I just want you to see Jesus on the cross in in your mind and just... In this image and and I just want you to see his blood dripping from his hands and his feet don't be freaked out just be encouraged and and I want you to see each blood drop that hits the ground of flower blooms each step that Jesus took towards the cross there's this garden being put there that each drop of his blood for you and for me is new life You can open your eyes. Friends, if you're feeling dead, (laughs) don't. He died for you. You don't have to. You and I, we're never going to die. We're going to close our eyes, and then we'll open them again, and we'll be at this beautiful feast with this lamb, this light, this river. You and I will be dancing in the river together, hanging out. There's going to be this big, giant chorus of all the believers of all time singing and praising God talked about this morning I want to worship like that now to get in the practice of it right let's let's keep our focus on what our hope truly is allowing Jesus to minister to us in the midst of our struggles and our space that we're in but also to keep that hope so we can stand tall and feel confident by his word and his through his love okay um Yeah. This last video, just to finish up, and then we'll pray. Um, I think this is a beautiful example of heaven on earth, and it's very practical. I found it on my Facebook feed this last week, and I just threw it up on the slides. It's a minute long. Um, but I th- it's, a, it's a grandfather who's had a stroke and something that a small class of students gave him and blessed him with for him to experience something that he's longed 
for years to have. So we'll go ahead and just watch that. We're going to get to that in a second. Okay. What would you say you miss doing to people? Oh, hugging them? Yes. yes. So a group of my students created this. Here it is. We'll show it. It's just a long strap. So you put this on your wrist. Mm -hmm. I want you to grab it. All right. Now, go over there. Come here. <laughs> you can give them a hug. Oh. That's so sweet. <laughs> That's a good hug. This is a dream of mine. You want to give Rick a hug? I sure do. <laughs> Come here, young man. Oh. <laughs> uh. That's sweet. This is the first time I've got to hug my, my boys. <laughs> oh. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven on earth, right? I can't watch that as a parent and not tear up, right? Thanks, Patty. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for restoration and realization today out of your word. That because of your love and what you did on the cross, we can experience heaven on earth through the kindness of our actions and our words, by our listening ears and our patience with one another. Oh, Father, please, uh, by your Spirit's power, empower us to love like you, to take that, that scar from the veil that's over all of our eyes and just through our love actually take that away and bring restoration, hope, and encouragement to those around us. Thank you, God, for videos like that that show us how easy it is to do this. It doesn't have to be hard. We've made it so difficult. Forgive us. Help us to get out of the way so that your kingdom can come here on earth and your will be done in our lives. For all of us who are experiencing hurt this morning, and pain and suffering in different areas of our lives, Lord, we surrender and we give it to you. Just give us a, that hug like that grandfather to his grandsons. Thank you for your love, for your grace, for your forgiveness and your restoration. Restore us, Father, back to you. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you.